Amen and amen. Man, I don't know about you, but that music service got me. In the presence of Jehovah. In the presence of Jehovah. Yeah. I hope you've been in the presence of Jehovah. I want you to understand today that right now, even as you sit there, you are in the presence of Jehovah. Because you see, we prayed this morning, we've asked God to be in our presence today. We've asked Him to be in here to, to keep the enemy out and to fill this room with His presence. His presence is also in, his, in the hearts of every believer here today through His Holy Spirit. I want you to experience today and every day the presence of Jehovah. When you get in His Word and you just read it, when you bow in prayer, I want you to be in the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty. Amen. God Almighty. I want to thank you for uh, being patient with me for not being here last week. Uh, I am feeling better physically. Uh, mentally, I'm just still a bubble off or two, which I know that doesn't surprise anybody in here. So um, uh, my biggest struggle seems to be trying to sometimes grab a word that I need. Or a thought. So just, uh, if I go blank for just a second, just bear with me. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have someone pray in just a minute for me. But the Bible tells me when I am weak, He is strong. And I depend upon His strength. Every time I come up here. Jim, lead us please, brother. Thank you, Jim. We're in Ephesians 5, if you want to just turn there, we're, as we proceeding on with our little series, A Picture of a Christian. Walk as children of light is the message today. Walk as children of light, Ephesians 5. And we'll be looking at uh, verses 8 through 10. It's been a couple of years ago, I think about, uh, I think about four years ago, uh, I took... Uh, I was able to go to uh, Zimbabwe for the second time. And we had flown all this distance, and we had arrived at the, at the orphanage there where we were going to be, and it was about 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, and it was really dark. I mean, it was really dark. Because you see, in Zimbabwe, sometimes the electricity works and sometimes it doesn't work. And you, they never knew when the lights would come on. I mean, they would just go off and be off for five, ten minutes, an hour or two, and all of a sudden, for absolutely no reason, the lights come back on. Well, when we got there, the, the sun was down, and we'd been traveling for almost two days, and 
And uh, we get there, and it is dark. I mean, it is dark. Electricity's not on. There's no lights in the house, no lights around the orphanage there, nothing. It's dark. Well, we got in there, and, and, and some of us had been a long ride. We needed to go find the restroom facilities. Okay? And he said, well, about 50 yards that away, you'll come across a building. That, that's your facilities right there. So off we went. We uh, tripped over the, the logs that were there <laughs> along the way. We couldn't see them. I remember stepping in a hole and, and, and stumbling over the, uh, the, the, the stake that the pavilion was being held up by. And it was just a, a mumble, bumble, stumble walk to the, to the facilities there. We had to find the door, the gate, to get through the fence so we could get there. And trying to find that as we stumbled and bumbled and trying to get there, and, I mean, it was just a mess. I mean, we finally, we finally got there. Man, it was dark, dark, dark. And we finally got there. One of the guys uh, uh, decided that he saw what we were doing, so he unloaded his bag and got his flashlight out. Well, we didn't need a flashlight. We didn't think, but... He knew that we did. So coming back, he pushed the flashlight on there, you know, and we followed the light and did what we were supposed to do there. And, and we were able to get back just because of the light. It was a lot easier walking with a guy that has a flashlight than in the pitch dark. And that's kind of what we're going to look at today, okay? Living in the darkness, living in the light. I found it's a lot easier to live in the light than it is the darkness. Okay, let's look at Ephesians 5, 8 through 10. It says this, for you were formerly darkness. Interesting phrase, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. As the Apostle Paul was writing this letter to the Ephesians, it was a, it was a tough crowd, to say the least, the Ephesians. He had been there three years, and he had taught, and he had preached, and he had led, and, and it just seemed like it was a struggle. Something just didn't seem to be right. And he writes this letter, and he's trying to encourage these, these folks as he, is, as he is leaving, and he's no longer going to be there, no longer going to be the pastor or the leader of that church. And, he's, and he writes this book of Ephesians, and, and he's telling them that, uh, you know, how to, how to stay strong. And in Acts 20, he talks about, he says, after I leave, he said, there's going to be savage wolves that's going to come to try to tear your church apart. He said, it is going to be bad. There's going to be men that's going to rise up in your church that's going to try to ruin your church. And, you know, I just got to thinking about that. And as Paul was warning those Ephesians there that beware, that, that difficult times could come. And he's warning them, and he's, in essence, he's warning us too, is he not? That there are savage wolves out there that would love to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. We have pastors now that, that believe uh, uh, their philosophy is the best way to be, a social kind of a gospel, if you would, and never preaching about sin and never preaching about judgment and those kind of things because people don't want to hear that, and they just kind of tear out those pages of the Bible that deal with the true gospel. Not a good thing. We also have denominations who have done the very same thing, have they not? 
as, as, they, as they tear out pages of the Bible, that, that doesn't fit in society anymore. That doesn't work. That's not woke enough. Whatever woke is, I don't know. But, but they don't preach the full gospel. And Paul is warning them and warning us that they're coming a day when savage wolves will kind of tear us apart. You have got to be strong in your faith. You've got to know what's going on. You've got to be able to know what God's word is. Paul would tell them that you have been taught. You were taught the life of Christ. And you accepted the life of Christ. And you've got to be strong in your faith, if you would, because there are difficult times coming. And I suggest to you that the difficult times came for them, and there are difficult times today, is there not? I mean, there is a, almost an outward attack on the gospel anymore. The outward attack of conservative, Bible-believing, truth-seeking people. We're under attack. Savage wolves are coming after us. And we've got to be strong in our faith. He's encouraging us then as he encourages now. We've got to be strong in our faith. We talked about the other day that we have to be able to be able to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ. You've been saved. We've got to walk that way. We've got to have a life, it said in those verses, a life of gentleness and of patience and of forgiveness and of humbleness. We talked two weeks ago about we have, as Christians, we have got to get rid of that old garment of sin, that, that, that sinfulness, that nature that we have. And, that we, and at one time when we were too in darkness, that we lived that way. And we talked about Christians, we got to pull that garment off. We got to throw that aside. We got to put it in the trash. That is no longer us. We are no longer living with that old self. We have put on the new self, the new shirt, if you would, that's been starched and pressed, and we're living for the Lord. And he said, man, you've got to be strong in your faith. Don't, don't let anything stop you from being that way. You see, Paul said, you've got to be strong. You've got to be strong in your faith, and you've got to be willing to tell your faith. Why? Why, would, why is that a big deal? Well, I'll tell you why it's a big deal. Because there are people out there that need what you got. And what you got is Jesus. You got Jesus. The world needs what we've got. Indonesia needs what these people have. Zimbabwe needs what they need all around the world. We've got to be strong in our faith because people need what we got. In verse 8 there, we see an interesting phrase. It says, for you were formerly darkness. I've always have read that and talked about you, uh, where it says you were formerly in darkness. Okay? But that's not what that verse says, according to, to my translation. He says, you were darkness. That is a life before you were saved. That was a, a life of sinfulness, a life of not knowing the Lord as Savior Jesus Christ. You were in darkness, and you were, according to this, darkness. You know, a person who never has accepted Christ as their Savior, who never know about God, who are darkness, if you would, who are in darkness, and they never know about God, and they're going to live this life 
however they want to. And they're going to die one of these days without God. And they're going to live in darkness and be darkness now. And they will be darkness for an eternity. Paul said, you used to be like that. You see, those folks that have never accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, they will never know where they came from. They will never know where they came from. You see, they were born and now we live and that's about it. They will never know the love of God. They will never know that before the foundation of this old world, God knew them. And God knew you. And God said, I have got a perfect plan for you. And people that are in darkness that have never been accepted, never accepted Christ as Lord said, they will never know where they've come from. They will never know why they're here. They will never know why they're here. They get up in the morning and eat a little breakfast, drink a little coffee, go off to work, do their thing, come home, eat a little supper, go to bed, and tomorrow is the same deal, day after day after day. And people in darkness never get it. They never know that God had a perfect plan for their life. They never know that perfection is possible. They never know that God had a purpose and a meaning for their life. And they wander in darkness because they are darkness, knowing that having no idea, why am I here? You hear that. People in darkness will never know why they are here. People in darkness will never know the truth about death and dying. They will never understand that Jesus Christ came to live, to die on a cross, to be raised on that third day for them, (laughs) for me, for you. They will never know, and they will live a life of darkness thinking about, oh, man, where am I going to go when I die? What's going to happen to me when I'm dead and gone? I was listening to something on uh, my phone this week, and this guy was interviewing people that, that uh, oh, he was sharing his faith with him. And uh, is there a God? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. What happens when you die? Well, I guess I go to the grave and I just disintegrate at that point. You see, a, a person in darkness never gets that. They live under the, the, the threat of death, if you would, and dying because they don't understand that there is something better past this whole life. And that is living for eternity in the presence of Jehovah, (laughs) holy God. We taught about heaven a long time on Wednesday night. But ultimately, when you get down to all the beauty and the greatness and everything that's going to be there, it boils down to one thing that makes heaven such a great thing, and that is being in the presence of holy God forever and forever. You see, the unbeliever... The one in darkness does not understand their past, does not understand their future, does not understand their presence. Because you see in Matthew 6, 23, it says this. And this was just, this was just, whoa, this hit me today and this week. It says the second part of that verse, it says, if then the light that is in you is darkness. You never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. How great is the darkness. How great is the darkness. Just like trying to get to somewhere in Zimbabwe when there was no lights. 
the darkness was oppressive. It's like you couldn't see in, in front of your face. You see, the life of an unbeliever, their darkness is very great. Their present darkness is very great. Their past darkness is very great. Their future darkness is very great. Why? Because the Bible says they will be separated forever and ever from holy God. That's dark. That don't get no darker than that. One of the harshest things about hell, the Bible tells us, is the darkness that you can't see anything in front of your face even. What a loneliness. What a sense of rejection. And Paul says, you used to be like that, guys. That's who you were, guys, before you became a Christian. That was your... That was the road that you were headed. We all know friends and family members, do we not? They're headed down that road. They are in darkness, and they are darkness. Paul says, I want to remind you, folks, you have been born again. You are no longer in darkness. But in verse 8, the second part of verse 8, it says, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. But now, or I like, I, that just the thought came to me as I was studying this, the phrase, but God. You were formerly in darkness, you were lost, headed for an eternity. But now, but God intervened in your life. Paul is saying, God intervened in your life. God came and changed something in your life, and he changed your heart, people. He changed. You became a new creation, guys, when you accepted Christ. You are new. You are brand new. John 8, 12 says it this way. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As believers, did you know? We can know where we came from. We can know for a fact that before we was ever born, God had ordained your days, and he's had up a plan for you, a perfect plan for your life. We can know that because we are children of the light. We can know that we have a purpose and a meaning because we've been born again. We can know the truth about death and dying. And all of that comes from what we can know because we, are, we have been born again it comes from our knowledge and who we are in Christ Jesus. We can know all of this because we have been born again. He has shown us the light through salvation. He has made us to be light in a dark world. He has called us to live our lives as children of the light. You see, Paul says, this is the way you were, but now you're not like that anymore, guys. You are light. You are light in the world. You have followed me. And look here. I have answered your questions in essence. I have told you about your past and your present and the glorious future that you're going to have. And I think he's encouraging to say, live it, boys and girls. Be what you've been called to do, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, friends. That's the old self. Get rid of it. You are a child of a God. You are light in this world. And he will empower you to do whatever he has called you to, to do. 
Christians, we've got to be strong in our faith. Because there's a lot of folks out there that need what we have. In Matthew 5.14, it says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. That's got to be us, guys. We've got to be light in a dark world. That's who we are. We are light. We don't have to be. We are light in a dark world. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling, Paul would say. That calling in Christ Jesus. What is the result of being light of the world? I mean, what, what, what kind of fruit are we supposed to bear? I mean, what is it, this, this, this life that we're living, what comes from it? Well, we can see in verse 9, he says, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and in truth. The fruit, the thing that comes from us as being light to this world, is goodness and righteousness and truth. Okay? Goodness says that we'll treat people the way that we should be treating them, with love and respect. Goodness says that we will not try to take advantage of someone because of who they are. Goodness says that uh, we are uh, opposed to all evil. Goodness says that when I see a need, I'm going to try to the best I can to solve that need if, I, if I'm able to. If I have the means or the ways to do something to help somebody. That is an overflow. That is what should flow from our body, from our lives, if you would, when we are the light of the world. Yes, we are sinners, but we've been saved from that. We've been saved from that. So because of that, I'm not saying that we're all just good people, but, but we act like good people. We do good things because of our faith in Jesus Christ. It says an overflow of your fruit will be of one of goodness, of, of helping and supporting other people. He said it's also a righteousness in all righteousness. Righteousness means what? To be right with God. To be acceptable to God. Okay? There's two parts of that though. To be righteous, yes. And the Bible talks about to do righteousness. To be and to do. As Christians, are we righteous? Yeah, because when Christ died on the cross, what did he do? He took our sin and, and exchanged our sin, and he gave us his righteousness. We are righteous before God. We are acceptable before God. And then it says we are, we are, we be right and we do right. That is the second part of righteousness. You see, so many times people, people get this messed up. So many times people, and, and, I, and I hear this all the time. Well, I, I've been saved. I've been saved. I'm acceptable to the Lord. I get that. Can't ever lose that. Can't ever lose that. So now, I, I, I think I can just kind of just do my own thing now. I've got my fire insurance. I've got my, my salvation. I can live how I want to. And, I, and if I want to obey and 
be, you know, to love and forgive and those kinds of things. I, I will, but if I don't, I don't. And if I don't want to serve man, I don't really want to do that sometimes. But I've got my salvation, I've got my, my fire insurance, and I know I'm going to heaven when I die. And if I sin a little bit along the way, eh, no big deal. No big deal. And the Bible will tell you that's as a, that is a false righteousness. That's not being right with God. That's not what it means. And then we have the other side of the coin where people go, man, I do a lot of good things around here. I got a lot of good deeds. Man, yeah, I'm serving my mankind and I'm doing it and I see a need and I'm going to solve it. And my good works, if they're, if they're more than my bad works, I'm going to heaven. And you hear this all the time. You hear this all the time. If I'm good enough, yeah, I'm going to heaven. But I don't need any of that kind of righteousness stuff. I don't want to really be righteous. That's kind of like getting too close to God. But if my deeds are better than my deeds that are not better, I, think, I just think God's going to get me in there. I think he'll slide the door, slide that door open and let me in. That's a false righteousness. The Bible never says to be righteous without living righteous. never says that. It's got to be both. James 1, 22. We must be doers of the word, not just hearers only, deceiving your own self. You see, if we've been born again, we are righteous, but we've got to do righteous stuff. We've got to do good stuff because it ties in to being right with God. James 2.17 says, Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. Christian, we have been given righteousness through Christ. And we take that and we take it and we're obedient to Christ. And we serve others because we are righteous. We don't do one or the other. We've got to do both in order for us to be really truly a bright light in our community. Being right with God compels us, encourages, commands us to live life in a righteous way. The third aspect or the third fruit there we see real quickly consists of all goodness, all righteousness, and of all truth. John seventeen seventeen says, God's word is truth. John 14, 16 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, you know that verse. We've, we've said that once or twice before, haven't we? <laughs> they say God's word is written truth. They say Jesus is the living truth. Okay? Everybody wants to know what truth is. God's word is truth. Jesus is truth. I want to give you just a couple of of uh, characteristics of truth. I don't want to really expound on them today because I don't have time. Uh, we might do that maybe next week. But I think this is important to understand as believers. We have, we possess this truth. We possess this truth. The first thing I see here with truth is that it sets man free from doubt and despair. Okay? You want, you want hope in this old world? Hope comes from Jesus Christ. Hope comes from knowing His Word. Hope comes from, from watching and looking at the living Word. 
in His truth. Hope comes from being free from the bondage of sin. It gets no better than that. Being born again frees you and me from the bondage of sin. We no longer have to pursue that. We have a remedy when we do sin. Frees us from that bondage. Sin will drag you down daily if you let it. Being a born-again Christian, we don't have to let that. We are free from the bondage of sin. We are free from the bondage of death. We don't have to worry about what happens when we take our last breath here. Because we know what God's Word says. Absent from the body, present from the Lord. Christians, we no longer have to be worried about dying. I talked to, a, I talked to just a, a young lady today who's in her 80s. And she said, you know, God's ordained my days. He's picked them out. If I go do this surgery, great. If I don't, great. Because I'm not going to live a day or a breath longer than what God has told me I will live. You talk about freeing anxiety <laughs> about dying. Oh, my goodness. She goes, I have had, if I go now, I'm a winner. If I stay here, I'm a winner. It's all good. We're free from the bondage of death because we have a Savior who lives within us. We are free from the bondage of judgment and hell. We are free from the bondage of judgment and hell. We will never be judged again. We'll speak more about that later. We are free to enjoy the abundant life because we've been born again. And we are free to look forward to what He has for us in the eternal life. I don't know about you, but that's, that, that's encouraging. I mean, we can have this abundant life here. You mean I'll be rich and wealthy and have big houses and cars and boats and all that kind of stuff? No. There's more to it than, than that for the abundant life. The abundant life is spiritual blessings that only God can give to you. It, it, it's seeing that granddaughter jump up and down when she first sees you and hadn't seen her for three or four days. And she's just so excited to see you. That's better than all the gold in Fort Knox. Okay? Blessings knowing that, that you have a loving spouse that's going to be with you for eternity. She might be gone or he might be gone. But what do you think? You know, one day what's going to happen? It's going to be that great getting up morning where you get to hug his or her neck again. And the only way that's going to happen is because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, resurrection from the dead, and you've accepted that in your heart. You see, what a blessing it is to know that we can have an abundant life here and be as poor as a church mouse, but we can, have, we can be blessed if we look for the blessings. And then what an eternity. We can't, no mind can ever think about, no eye has seen, no heart can imagine what God has prepared for those. Who love him? Oh, my goodness. You once were in darkness, Paul said. You were going down a wrong road, but, but God intervened in your life. And you accepted him. What a, what a great fruit. What a great fruit of living a life in the light of Jesus. You know, we need to be, we need to be thankful, do we not? I hope, I hope that you are 
you tell him every day, thank you, Father, for your son. Father, thank you for saving me. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Thank you, Father, for, for salvation. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for pulling me out of darkness and letting me be light. Thank you, Father, for letting me to be on mission for you. You've called me light. Thank you, Father, that you've allowed me to be a lighthouse in a dark world. Thank you, Father, for that. Father, help me to be that. Father, help my light to shine a little brighter. Help my life to be a, a little more, uh, a little more uh, closer to you, Father, so that when people look at your life and my life, they go, man, I, I'd kind of like to have what they got. I want what they've got because life looks different to them. And as a Christian, it does look different to them. Because we know about our past, we know about our present, we know about that future. And if we live it as light in a dark world, people will want to know what we got. And that is Jesus. That's all I got. As we begin our invitation time, I want to ask you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. We serve such an awesome, awesome God. We serve such an awesome God who loved us so much. He said, I don't want anybody to live in darkness, ever. I don't want anybody to be darkness. I want everybody to I want everybody to be light. If you're living in darkness today, I can tell you how to get out of that darkness. If you're living the light, strengthen your heart. Be bolder in your faith. Shine brighter with your heart. Be thankful for what God has done. Just as I am.
this week will reflect that we've been in your presence. Father, help us to shine our light a little brighter because the world needs what we have, and that is your son, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for loving us. Father, we, we just want to